Hi, this is Dave Durr. Yesterday's scripture and devotional ended with the first two verses of chapter five with the author of this letter, the Apostle Paul, encouraging the followers of Christ to be imitators of Christ, loving each other sacrificially and living lives that would be a sweet fragrance to God. We continue our reading today in chapter five, verses three through 10, with Paul seemingly saying, just in case this imitating God encouragement I just gave you is not clear enough, I want to remind you about, and then he begins writing pointedly and boldly, challenging them regarding sexual immorality, their speech and conduct, and further reminding these men and women of the differences between their old life and now their new life in Christ. Let's take a look at these verses and determine what he's saying not only to this particular audience, the Ephesians, but followers of Christ everywhere, including us today. So here we go, Ephesians 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sin sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true carefully determine what pleases the Lord. So right out of the gate here in verse three, Paul begins with addressing sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. He doesn't waste any time. Paul knew well the culture these believers were living in. He knew the challenges they were facing each day, and he knew where they would likely drift. So he encouraged them to stand strong against each of these as a father would do with his child. Our culture is the same. The phrase, there's nothing new under the sun, certainly applies in this case. Paul knew that the desires of the world expand when they are given a place they do not deserve in the lives of the Christ followers in Ephesus. In verse 4, Paul shifts his focus toward those participating in telling of obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse joking. Interestingly, each of these have to do with the tongue. And as the book of James states, sometimes, I quote, sometimes it, meaning the tongue, praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. 
Paul lays out an alternative to this at the end of verse four, when he says, instead of this, instead of the coarse joking, the obscene stories, the foolish talk, instead of that, let there be thankfulness to God. He sees thankfulness as the appropriate replacement. The thinking is that instead of sexual immorality, for instance, thank God for the incredible gift of sexual, in, sexual intimacy within marriage. And instead of greed, thank God for what he's generously given and then generously give to others in need. Replace obscene and coarse joking with words of affirmation, words of thanksgiving and praise. Are you like me and find yourself drifting into these areas sometimes just to fit in? There's a crowd gathered and there's some jokes being told and some stories being shared and you're just kind of drawn in. Uh, you don't want to be on the outside. You want to be part of the conversation, part of whatever's taking place in that crowd, part of that laughter and fun. None of us want to be an outsider. And I don't want to ever be perceived as a holier than thou dude who's preaching all the time. And so it sometimes becomes pretty natural to drift into these conversations and then sit in them for a while. And uh, I'm wondering what the deal is about that. If I am in Christ and if he is and he is in me, as Paul is teaching, then what about the garbage coming out of my mouth? Why the drift into these kind of conversations? This is exactly what Paul is warning the Christ followers about in his letter. You know, phrases like, don't be fooled, watch out, beware, don't fall into a trap. These are all phrases that would fit into this situation, into this letter at this time. Paul knows what a transformed life looks like, but he also knows human nature and what must go and what must be replaced. This is a process of transformation. And by the way, this is not about Jesus Christ laying down a command that we are to stay clear of as uh, stay clear of unbelievers. No, it's just the opposite. He taught and modeled the importance of befriending unbelievers and inviting them and drawing them in through who we are and what we say. According to Jesus, that's what making disciples is all about. At the same time, Paul in verses 7 and 8 strongly encourages the church to refrain from participating with those who are living lives stridently opposed to God. I say stridently opposed to God, standing in the way of and speaking out against the gospel in every way. These are different from your normal unbelievers. But then comes the but in this, uh, these two verses. It says, but rather, he says, remember that your hearts at one time were filled with darkness, but now are filled with the light from the Lord. He's calling them to remember where they were at one time and now where they are today and reminds them that as a result of their behavior, uh, it should it that should show. In other words, your words and actions should align. I'm going to repeat that. Our words and our actions should align. When they don't, there is some issue uh, going on within us. Why is it? Should be a question we could ask ourselves. 
Well, Paul ends with this statement in verse 10. He says, try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. In saying this, Paul is pointing the people who heard this letter read to them almost 2,000 years ago, but also to each of us today to look to Jesus, to spend time with him, to become like him and do what he does. Remember, we're not really left alone in this quest to find what is pleasing to the Lord. Not at all. We have the Holy Spirit, Christ in us. He dwells within us. We can draw from that strength and make an incredible difference, not only uh, in the classroom or halls in our schools, but in the workplace and in our neighborhoods and in our families and in restaurants and banks at Meyer and Walmart, Walmart and wherever we go. Because as we go, each of us are filled with the light of the world. What do you hear God saying to you? What is he asking you to pay attention to right now? And how will you respond? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the challenge and the encouragement we receive from your word. Thank you for your presence, the very presence of Christ in us, the light of the world. That's hard to comprehend, but we embrace this truth and Lord, help us to lean into it and live into it. And as we live and move in your kingdom, Lord, may your light shine through us so that all everyone can see that you are truly Lord of all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.